Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm very excited to have my new friend, Claire Chase, with us today. Claire, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I have you know, really enjoyed your podcast episodes, and I just love the idea of social capital and um, how important it is um, when we think about our own resilience and the like resilient systems that we're in. Absolutely. I mean, looking at your background and your, your um, LinkedIn page, I mean, I know that you're going to be the perfect guest for this show. And I'm super excited to learn about some of the research and things that you've done that are really in alignment with social capital and kind of the, the idea behind the value of our connections. And so why don't you tell us a little bit just about who you are today, and then we'll get into a little bit of your background. Yeah, so I call myself a resilience thinker. Um, a public speaker and also a design strategist. And um, basically that means that I am always thinking about um, how we can be embed, like acting resilience thinking in our daily lives, but also in our work lives. Um, and I just love to share it with others. Awesome. Well, I can't wait for you to tell us more about your resilience groups and the things that you're doing today, but will you take us back a little bit? Tell us where it all started. Sure. So, you know, way back when, I, um, I grew up in a small town and in southern Illinois, um, and, you know, I don't have, you know, beyond, you know, kind of like my, my friend community and um, my dad worked at a local college, that kind of community, I don't have any connections there um, anymore. My family moved on, my dad passed away, um, and, uh, but that kind of like that kind of embeddedness in an existing community. It was a, um, there's a farm community. There's a, um, the, just thinking about like the college um, that, that was there. It really stuck with me that how do we create these connections and um, that become lifelong, that, that stick with you uh, and support you and um, are your cheerleaders, but also like grieve with you when bad things happen. And how can we actually cultivate that through the rest of our lives, even as we move on um, to new places and spaces? And so I kind of took it with me. I, um, I, after college, moved to Chicago um, and loved it. I worked for a brand consulting firm um, there for about a year. And in fact, you know, those connections I made, even at 22, I'm still working with um, those amazing people. And I'm so th grateful for that. Um, and, and so even though that was just like a small snippet of my work and professional life, it made a huge impact on how I thought about, um, just social capital or, um, or how we go about just thinking about the experiences of others. It, because this particular brand consultancy does, does emotional inquiry. And basically that means, you know, how do you kind of uncover why people do the things that they do. And so I used that and took it with me to better understand how people create relationships, build community, um, and build resilience. And so even though I 
and don't do branding anymore. Um, just that approach uh, was something that really um, came with me as I went into higher education. So the last, the decade after that experience I spent um, in higher education, and then now coming back to consulting, um, specifically using the research that I built around resilience thinking to help people to better actually, um, to better cultivate relationships with others, to better cultivate social capital, and to think about how, um, what the role that they play within their systems that they're embedded, so their family units or their work um, units, um, but also the roles that other people play and how we can be working together to find a collective action, to find this future that we all seek. That's awesome. And thank you for sharing a little bit of your kind of background and what you're passionate about and why it's led you here. You know, you talk about resilience thinking. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means to you? Sure. So um, resilience thinking on like a baseline level says that you know, we have these things that we do, if we just think about an interaction or a conversation as like the smallest unit of where resilience thinking can be very useful, um, especially right now, you know, after, um, well, I mean, we're still in the midst of this kind of political turmoil um, around the election and um, that these things are happening in our everyday conversations where these moments where we are met with conflict or information that we don't understand and we have some decisions. Typically, our decision is that we want to walk away from that conversation or we try to bulldoze it. So your views don't actually matter. Um, mine are more important and I'm right. So I'm just going to like completely um, ignore what you're saying or just completely just bulldoze it. So um, here's why you're wrong. Um, here's the truth of the matter. And those things, you know, it's not to say that how we feel isn't important. I, I, I believe that there's value in how we feel, but if we wanna to move together, if we wanna to make a productive conversation, um, if we want to move forward to transform the conversation, and again, I'm just keeping at this very baseline level of the interaction, then you have to actually take a step back and say, okay, how, in what ways am I kind of doing name calling or judging this person or the information they're sharing? Um, and to call that out and then set it aside uh, and then in, say and instead seek out the values that are embedded in what they're saying. So things like I'm, you know, I'm, I have fear around my safety or I have fear for the future. This is a very uncertain time. Um, my response is X. Your response might be different from that, but I might also feel, you know, this uncertainty or this anxiety. Um, and at the heart of it, you know, all we, we're missing is this trust component. Well, we both want trust. So how can we actually build trust between us so that we can move forward, so that we can find a solution that we are both behind, um, that really meets both of our values? And so that can happen in a conversation to say, okay, I see what you're saying. Is this what you're saying? Um, that you are feeling a lot of anxiety right now, that this is chaotic, um, that you're unsure of where, um, you know, you're, if you're going to be able to pay rent, that those, I might not have those same issues. However, I feel the same anxieties and I have these different issues that really align with that. So how can we kind of come together and maybe even find resources where we both can, you know, have, 
come to a, a collective action so we both can get help in this. And, um, and I think that it's really important that especially when you think about these much larger societal issues around um, social justice and white supremacy and um, systemic racism, that the reality is that people are suffering and that those things, those are the issues that we really need to change and transform. And resilience thinking can be useful in those examples too. Um, to better understand why it is that people um, might be ignoring those large issues, why they may be able to dismiss them. Um, and we can learn from that so that we can help come together so we can really completely dismantle the existence of um, of the systems that are creating these terrible circumstances for groups of people in our country. Because at the end of the day, we're, we all have a shared humanity and we have a shared desire to trust one another. Um, there was a recent study um, that was done that actually found that, that uh, once they, I believe they surveyed like a, a large number of people and 93% of the values people stated were the same and only 7% were different. So we actually share more values in common then we don't. And we just don't have conversations around our shared values. We have more conversations about the things that we disagree with. That's so true. It's, it's really unfortunate, but it's so true. It's kind of like they talk about alcoholics, you know, and that like really the drinking is a byproduct of what's really happening inside them and in their heart that needs to be addressed. And sometimes it's sort of like that. It's like, you know, the, all of this conflict is sort of a byproduct of what's really happening on the inside if we could learn more about how each of us are experiencing this journey and be a bit more sympathetic or empathetic on our our similarities like you said i mean it's really amazing to me we've had a couple of guests on the show where we've talked about that that even in the midst of covid and covid happening at the very beginning back months ago and how there was just so much uncertainty and yet really we were all in this together and if we can figure out how we are um, you know, similar in this and how we see this, that we're much more likely to be able to come up with some of these solutions. You know, you, you talked to, about trust and really trust seems to be something that comes up over and over when you talk about social capital, because really that's how we develop these relationships that have value. Do you see, um, you know, do you see anything in your research that talks about how trust is really instrumental and how we either build it or break it and what that kind of looks like regarding trust? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because often the fundamental value that is shared is all around building trust. Like that's the path forward. Um, and it's, it's almost like it becomes this bridge between, you know, th there might be very different things that people are experiencing. Um, but fundamentally, those experiences or those values that people hold, the kind of core root of why people feel the way that they do, is all based on a lack of trust. And, um, and actually building the social capital is a bridge forward um, to create new solutions. Um, it's like in the business world, it's like that innovation. It's that transformative element that gets people from the kind of the lives that they're living and it's hard to see outside of that to the place they really want to be, to that life they really want to live, um, to the experiences they want to have. It's like when a new product hits 
Um, and you're like, I can't imagine my life without it now. It's like the, when the iPhone came on. I remember being like, oh, who wants to be that connected? And the reality is like everybody. <laughs> and we don't, we can't imagine our life without it now, but there will be another thing that will meet this need. And, and that's really the resilience thinking is to say, it's hard to see outside of this, our current experience, um, our current life, because of all of the hurdles and challenges that are in the way and all of our feelings about those hurdles and challenges. And if we we're able to step outside that of that and see the bigger picture to see what I call the issue landscape, we can actually find the opportunities across those. And that is solely built, I think, within the social capital realm. Um, because it's without, uh, without trust, it's hard to um, imagine the path forward. Um, but if we see that these opportunities or these innovations simultaneously build trust between us, especially when you talk about social issues, um, then it, I think the possibilities are, are endless. It, it's, I, I like to say, like, once you take this resilience thinking view, this resilience thinking view, the opportunities are undeniable um, because it just, things make sense when you're able to step outside and look at it um, from just kind of this aerial view. Absolutely. And it's so, it's so freeing. I feel like when we do step outside of ourselves, you know, it's like, it's very confining to only be seeing things from our own perspective. And though it sometimes seems like, you know, we're justified in that, it just seems like it's very liberating when we can step back and say, you know what, there might be another view to this. And as I start to see that view, all of a sudden, I see how not unimportant my perspective is, but how how small it is in the big picture of what's happening around me. And I feel like as we approach this kind of and continue in this kind of uh, interesting time that we're in, whether it's through politics and all the social kind of things that are happening around us, and then you throw COVID on top of that, um, you know, we're all experiencing a lot of things at the same time together. And yet there seems to be more division than ever. Um, in the midst of that, as you are working with the people in your group and your resilience group, how do you address some of what's happening around us? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that, you know, at the beginning, it was so hard to see what life was going to be like um, for the foreseeable future. We thought it was like, okay, this blip in time, then we'll go back to normal. The reality is that we might never get back to that place because we are constantly learning and transforming. Um, and so for this group of female entrepreneurs, it's to say that that work that we did before, the places where uh, we were selling our products, um, the events that we were holding, um, that all of that is, is, is different now, but this, this transformation is actually better. People feel happier in this space. They miss maybe the consistency, the, um, the kind of, uh, you know, ongoing, you know, money that comes in from these existing products that worked well within that reality. But in this new reality, they're seeing how they could do things better and have it, taking the opportunity to actually move forward. And so, um, and so that's been a huge thing that we've been recognizing. And also just the creation of a safe space to, um, to share the ups and downs. Um, because entrepreneurship is lonely. It's, it's just a lonely place sometimes, especially when you're the founder, you might have employees and you can't necessarily share all of those ups and downs with them. And 
um, what we've created is just this safe haven um, to, to be authentic in our struggles, in our successes, but also to recognize in each other the opportunities for transformation. And sometimes you just need this um, uh, kind of this collaboration um, of, of seeing like the full spectrum of someone um, and to know that that even in the challenge that they will rise above it. And it's so it's it's so much about finding you know confidence in yourself and your experience that what you get out get out of having um, a group of women who are doing the same thing going through similar um, ups and downs of entrepreneurship, but also recognizing that as a group, we're all moving forward together. Um, and, and I mean, I think that that's, we're building some amazing social capital, I believe. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And, you know, you mentioned just kind of briefly a couple of times is that this idea of like self, you know, and sort of the self-confidence, the self-awareness, you know, and it seems to me that so much of our ability to build social capital really comes from also being aware and self-aware and understanding what's happening on the inside of us in order to then give that or be open to that being available to the people around us. When you work with the ladies in your group or the people in your group, the entrepreneurs, um, you know, how do you address sort of this issue of self? Yeah, so I'm going to take it even like outside of that particular group because the whole idea of resilience thinking is to say this, you have to have knowledge of thyself um, to understand your strengths and weaknesses, to understand your areas of growth, um, the opportunities that are in front of you, but also that you are intrinsically embedded within a larger system and within multiple systems. And so resilience thinking is saying, is understanding kind of our, um, the scale within which we are, we, we are ourselves. Um, and, and to understand the roles that we play within all of these. And so within the group, we talk a lot about kind of the things that are happening on this like one-on-one, -on -one, moment by moment basis. Um, and these are just like check-in meetings. Um, and it's very fluid and natural. Uh, but the whole idea is that we can also see that um, the roles that we are playing outside of that group. Um, and, and so that's always what I try to bring to to any of my, the clients that I work with, um, the entrepreneurs within this group, um, or even, you know, I'm starting this, uh, these courses um, later, the, actually in December and then next year, that are really about like resilience thinking and you. So who are you? Um, kind of that self-knowledge, but also what roles are you playing? And um, what else is happening in the world around you that is, that impacts what, um, what transformation looks like and where the opportunities are. Because it's all about our relationship um, with ourselves, but also within everyone else within our networks. So it's a very scaled approach. That's awesome. And that's what it's all about. I mean, we are no, no man is truly an island unto themselves. You know, we are all so interconnected that it's, uh, it's really important to understand and be aware of how our behavior is impacting and how those roles are impacting the people in the world around us. I think that's so cool. And thank you so much for sharing um, just what you've learned through your experience. And, you know, when you are looking at 
you know, be consulting with someone or with a company or a group, what do you usually, I mean, how does that usually start? So I've never really been exposed to resilient thinking. So this is sort of my first opportunity that, to learn more. And so what would you typically be looking for or how do you find that you typically help? Yeah, well, and I don't think that um, a lot of people have heard about resilience thinking. It actually grew out of social ecological systems um, and then also like community and psychology, uh, or sorry, community and social psychology work. And so, actually, I was, through my research, uh, was able to create this resilience thinking for individuals and businesses and groups. Um, and so, there's no harm in not knowing about it yet. Hopefully, we'll get this out there. Um, but, so, what I typically do is, um, I have a couple of, of different ways in which I work with, um, with my clients and, um, and just with, like, the larger groups whenever I do public speaking, is... I think just what we've already said is kind of this self-knowledge. So um, having, creating a foundation of what we know today and then taking a step back from it to say what values are embedded in that. So not only what values are we placing on it, is it good or bad? Is this good data or bad data? Is this, um, you know, incorrect or, or correct? And I think, um, you know, even it's become like, you know, popular culture to say, you know, fake news. Is it real or fake? And, and instead we ask, what can we learn from the existence of this data or of this feeling? Um, and that is going to be actually more helpful than our assessment of it. So if we can ask, what are we learning from the existence of, um, of someone else's opinion that we just inherently do not agree with? How can that also exist in the same space as my opinion? What experiences might have formed that opinion? What ideas are forming that opinion? Um, and then once we get to the root of that, it's just become so undeniable like what the next step is. If fundamentally, um, you know, if I'm working with a business and they've been getting um, reviews on Yelp that are incorrect, for example, often they just wanna dismiss it to say, well, that was just one bad experience. Um, that was, that person was wrong. They've totally misinterpreted the situation. And often we get stuck in these kind of ways of dismissing the th things we hear or bad information. Um, and the reality is that we should not dismiss it because those are the nuggets that where we can actually learn something new um, about the experiences of others. And then we cr can create typically new programs or services or products that will better meet the experiences of the people um, who are our customers or um, who are even our employees. Um, because typically when we try to put uh, like a new product where you just think this might help or we might even give new employees more money, those become band-aids to underlying issues. Um, and so a resilient thinking approach would say, what is the connections across all of these kind of stresses or problems or bad data sources, uh, what are the, what's the connective tissue across that? What, is the, what are the root causes? And then how do we actually address those root causes so we can create better innovations, better services, um, and better products? And so that's typically how I work. And anyway, it's, it's obviously more in depth than that. We do a lot of external, I'm a, also a researcher, so, and I have a research team that I work with, and we actually go out and, and collect a lot of data. If, companies find that, okay, this is what we know, but there are some gaps. Um, 
And I also, you know, I work one-on-one with small business clients or entrepreneur clients. Typically, I'm helping them. I'm coaching them through how they can actually go out and collect the data for themselves so they feel more empowered um, to finding solutions and feel more a part of the process from the first day. That's awesome. It sounds like it's a lot about finding those opportunities, you know, that other people might see and dismiss that really you're seeing those as opportunities for change and for growth and for innovation. Um, and you're so right. It's often in those places that we want to dismiss it, that we can actually find the need that might allow us to produce something that's totally outside of what we would have initially um, thought we needed. And now we have an opportunity to do something that's really impactful and that really speaks to that underlying um, concern that maybe we would have not wanted to address previously. That's right. that's super cool. Um, yeah. Awesome that I, you were able to do this. And What was that? Oh, I was just going to add, like, usually it's right under the surface. And as soon as you figure it out, you're like, oh, yeah, this totally makes sense. It's really just about connecting the dots um, and seeing it from a different side, taking on a different mindset. Um, and I think that we all have it within ourselves to actually see these connections. This is not, it does not take someone with a PhD like myself. Actually, when I found this out, I was like, I wanna share this with the world because I think we can all be doing this um, to have better relationships with our family members, to have uh, better work environments, to create better products. I think this is, we're all capable of it. I agree. It's huge. And, I, you know, obviously I'm passionate about social capital. I absolutely know that my life is blessed because of the people that are around me and my ability to connect with them. Um, and so I can tell that that's really, you know, a foundational piece of how you live your life as well. You know, for people who are listening and, and who have been listening, and you, one of the things I love to do is just talk to our guests about practical ways that they can share, that people can really start to build social capital in their own, in their own life. So whether they just walk away from this, uh, listening to the show and they can start to implement something, what do you suggest as sort of practical things that we can do to start to develop or enhance our ability to build social capital in our own lives? Yeah, I think the fundamental um, shift and um, kind of cultivating social capital is asking the question, what can I learn from someone else? Even if they're not someone you think that you can learn from. Um, they don't have to be an expert in their field, but maybe it's actually someone that you don't agree with, that you fundamentally don't see eye to eye with, um, that it could even be like a competitor or, but how we build social capital together is in those like one-on-one -on -one relationships and um, that we, that are maybe easy. We can start asking, what can I learn from this person? We kind of already gravitate to thinking of that along those lines about what is this person doing that I could be doing to become more successful. Um, but also just on a larger scale, when we think about building social capital with even those that are not like us, we have to be asking, what can I learn from them, um, from um, their experience uh, in the world? And to allow yourselves to see that in a different light, um, it really provides you with a greater perspective so that you can make those connections, um, that you can build those relationships. And I think that that what is creates um, social capital. And, and even if you look at kind of the studies that have been done about how you know, small communities and the way things used to be about, you know, um, bowling alone and, you know, all the books um, that have, that are out there. Um, and, you know, I, sad to say I've read a lot of them throughout my time in academia and the higher ed. Um, 
not, maybe not sad to say it's, it's taught me a lot, but, um, but you know, it all kind of depends on like, how are we actually building relationships? And I think that by taking an approach to be interested in the other person, um, to feel a deep connection to their work or to their experience, even if it's not the same experience that we hold, even if it's not the way we would approach something. Um, and that is hard work. I'm making it sound easy, but it is incredibly difficult to take yourself out of your own experience to ask the question of what can I learn um, from an, someone else. Um, it's so easy to be blinded by our own truths. And, um, and even if, you know, and I think that there's value, I'm not dismissing our own truths. I'm not dismissing um, the realities that we face, the challenges, the stresses, uh, but also recognizing in what ways are those also truth for that other person too. Um, how, can, how can we see the humanity um, in someone else? And I think that, that that's obviously a different way of thinking about social capital um, than, you know, I've you know, kind of been taught, <laughs> but I think it's fundamentally, you know, in these spaces where it was easy to build social capital, it was also easy to see the experience of others. And now we are, we are not, we're in a different world. Um, and to be able to kind of move forward and transform, we have to be doing the challenging, uncomfortable work, even if it feels like the other side is like good versus evil or love versus hate. Um, this is how we can move forward. And this is, and not to dismiss the pain um, that other people are feeling as well. Sorry, I took it deep, but that's, that's how I Absolutely. think. I think, I think that it's, it's, it's yeah. bigger than the surface level. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I just don't think that we can do it, especially today, you know, in the, with all the dynamics that are happening around us, it has to be deep. We just, we've gone beyond just this, this placating one another. And in order to really get where we need to go, we've got to be willing to dig a little bit deeper down both in ourselves and in our ability to connect with the people around us. Um, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because I think that is, and, and one of the things you said is it's not easy. You know, it takes effort. You have to want to know where they're coming from. You have to want to um, lay your own perspective to the side, not that it doesn't have value, but to that you can then be open to understand the other perspective. And I feel like the more that we are willing to do that and the more the grace that we can give one another during this time and, and in our uh, connections with one another the better we're going to be able to build that trust and the more that we're going to be able to accomplish as we do build trust um, so no so I really appreciate you taking it there you know you mentioned some books that you read during your you know your studies but I'm always curious to know if there's any books or any um, podcasts or anything that you're kind of reading or involved in or that you would recommend Oh, that's such a good question. Um, you know, I, I feel like the podcasts that I listen to are the ones everybody's listening to. Things like um, How I Built This and, um, you know, Bren Brene Brown. Um, I, what's interesting is that um, because of the conversations that we've had in the Resilience Collective, um, my friend Hannah Taylor and I actually just created and launched our own podcast called Meet the Moment. And this was inspired by something, you know, I, I, I do a lot of, um, of work that I love to do. And so Meet the Moment podcast is, uh, is 
is an iteration of kind of bringing those conversations to a, a larger level to say, how can we look at this thing that's happening for all of us, our shared experience? How can we look at it differently so that we can um, create, we can find the opportunities to create change. Um, and so that just launched actually last week and our first two episodes are about politics, but not about political sides, but how we can actually, like, is it possible to have a healthy relationship with politics? Um, those are the big questions that we're asking. Um, and then I also do a, a series. Congratulations. Of, oh, thank That's you. That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> and so we'll that was- check actually, that out. Oh, yes. Um, it was inspired by, um, on Instagram Live, I have a series called Profiles of Resilience, where I interview entrepreneurs and business leaders and thought leaders in their fields. And um, uh, Jasmine Multipoli, she works um, at a local a data analysis firm um, in Denver. Um, and but she's a uh, she. Um, I'm going to say this wrong, but I believe she, she's been awarded. Um, oh, I. This amazing medal from the U.S. Army and um, for her work in Afghanistan and Afghanistan and um, she said that you know as she transitioned from military life to civilian life and even in her data analysis that she does now um, she has to ask herself how do I meet each moment what does, this, what does each moment require of me and so that really inspired us as we were thinking about these like much like these large topics around politics or um, we're also going to do something, you know, light. Like I love reality TV, so I'm hoping to bring Hannah along that journey to say, why are so many people drawn to this? You know, how, why, why do we need this escape right now <laughs> of, of yeah. reality TV? Uh, but anyway, so that idea is um, to say, like, we need to bring these conversations to a larger scale. Uh, it's it's so easy to be authentic um, and in these, you know, small safe places, but but the conversations that we're having can transform, you know, at a much larger scale, can, can make, help us think about new mindsets. And so we'll be bringing on different people to share their experiences so that we can learn and grow. That's awesome. And that's really what it's all about. I mean, that's why I did this podcast too, is just that I want to share people's experiences so that we can learn from one another. And, you know, we can have these one-on-one -on -one conversations, but in some ways I was like, God, this is such a waste. I'm like, I'm getting to learn all of this awesome stuff about you. And I, I know lots of people who would love to know this stuff about you. How do I share that without you having to go and meet every single one of them on your own? Um, and so it is, it's really fun to be able to just share people's stories and, and get the information out there so that we can talk about it on a broader level, like you said. Um, you know, it has been so fun having you on, Claire, and I so appreciate your time and just your willingness to just be authentic with us. Um, as we are kind of coming to the, to the end, I don't want to end without there being something that you share with us about how we can connect with you. Um, I know you've got your Resilient Collective. Can you share with us just how we can get in, involved with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, if you're interested in learning more about resilience thinking, you know, obviously I do have a TEDx Boulder talk. It's called Resilience Thinking for a Fractured World. Um, also on my, you know, website, there are ways to connect. Um, my Instagram is where I'm most active. It's at resilience period by period design. And that's where all of the um, profiles of resilience interviews um, are all available. Um, they're also on my website. Um, but I... Launching actually in, in December will be this uh, series of, of courses called Resilience and You. And the first um, two are going to be focused on the political divide. So, so obviously, 
there is, um, and something that, you know, I'm learning and I've seen through my research is that some, we're not always ready to dive in and work together. Um, there are some really traumatic things that have been happening in the last four years. And, um, and so we might not be ready yet, but so this is just going to be about tools whenever you are ready. How can you think about your own experiences um, and then kind of work through how we might and, and again, this happens on the ground. We don't have to be politicians to be doing the work of, of working together. And this is, again, it's, this is going to be incredibly challenging um, because the, the issues at hand affect people's lives. And, um, and sometimes we need to dismantle large systems to do that work. And those large systems are run by each of us. We are all a part of it. Um, and so we'll be diving you know, right in to kind of breaking that down and, and how, what, what work can we actually be doing uh, from a resilience thinking perspective? Um, and, and so that'll be, be happening and um, I think it'll be um, enriching and transformative and it will kind of meet the needs for whenever we feel like, what could we do? What could we possibly do to change this huge enormous thing that needs to be changed? Absolutely. And I uh, applaud you for taking that on like that, because it is, it's something that needs to be addressed. We need tools to handle it. Um, but it is a huge elephant in the room uh, that we need to, to figure out how to approach and how to start to, you know, um, dismantle, if you will. So also, you know, before we wrap up, are there any final thoughts that you have that you just don't want us to, to end without getting out? Yeah, I just think that, that everyone has a power in themselves and it's really about shifting your mindset to, um, to think of yourself as like an ongoing student of your world um, rather than, you know, our learning doesn't end when we um, leave the walls of a school or an academic institution, that our learning is constant and we should transform. But the second part is that you've probably heard that before, but you might not have also heard that you should also be students and designers of the worlds you want to seek. So we have the power in ourselves to change the worlds we live in. Um, it, it doesn't take someone with special skills. It's, it takes us. Um, and so resilience thinking is really all about changing our mindsets to see ourselves as students and designers of the worlds we seek. That's awesome. And we haven't really touched base on, on the designing part. I mean, we have a couple more minutes. Can you tell us more about how you see us having the ability to design our world? Yeah, no, I, and I think it's all about, so I think that um, oftentimes people don't feel the space to design um, or to see themselves as, as designers um, because they don't see the opportunity to, to make the change. So the first part is seeing the opportunity, which is why we spend a lot of time in that space. The second part is how we actually take action. And once you have the opportunity in hand, kind of the steps forward to bring that to action begin to fall into place. And so it's about action planning um, and being really strategic about what it takes on a, um, maybe on a, like a moment to moment decision-making level. But then, you know, as you go forward, you're just thinking about even like strategic planning for like a business, that those things can, we can actually utilize the existing strategies that are working at different levels and use them within our lives um, to make change and to find people who are, are willing to work with us and, and to come together. And that's all why it's, it's all about collective action that we um, have the power in ourselves, but we also 
live in existence systems and what role can we all play so that we're working together and so we dive into um kind of what what takes what is a resilient system what does that even take you know it takes connectivity it takes social capital um it takes open channels of communication and so we dive into what have researchers found that are critical for resilient systems well there's um, obviously expertise and diversity of thought but also um, redundancy. So that there are multiple people who can be doing the same things across the board. And sometimes we don't like the idea of redundancy, um, but it's critical for a system. And I'm, I'm talking systems because, but if you think about it as your community or a business um, or even a family, you think about your family unit, each person plays a role. And actually sometimes those roles are stuck on us and we don't like them, <laughs> uh, but those can transform too. And, and if, um, for a, a system to kind of move forward and, and be truly resilient, there has to be multiple people who are capable and um, able to do um, similar roles. So, so that's so then we really dive into like what is a resilient system? What what does that even mean, and how can we enact it on the ground? Wow, that's awesome! I can't wait to. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait to keep learning about you and about what you have going on. We will have all of your information in the show notes so that people can connect with you themselves and learn more about uh, your resiliency trainings and, and opportunities to connect. And um, it has just truly been a pleasure, Claire. I really thank you for your time and for your willingness to share yourself and the information that you've spent years learning and researching with us here today. And um, I hope that we can have you on again and that we can continue to see your, um, you know, this resiliency thinking being broadcast more and more into the, the world around us that we might all see change in how we approach things. Yeah, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for the opportunity to share and, and for all of your thoughtful questions. Um, it's been a, a pure joy for me. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And we will look forward to having you on again here in the future. Sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.